Alright boys and girls, episode 89 with Marianne Kane is about to start and she was plain amazing. One being because her accent is so badass and two, she is an amazing coach and has, I would say in my opinion, kind of built a pillar to women's strength in the industry because she's been posting on YouTube on her channel since I believe 2007 and was one of the co-founders to Girls Gone Strong until she left, had a little hiatus and we get into what happened there and her celebrity relationship with Jonathan Fass and a bunch of other great amazing things in this episode so let's get right into it here's marianne kane hey guys welcome back to another episode of cut the shit get fit i'm your host rafael matuszewski and joining me today is marianne kane say hello hello <laughs> perfect so i always like to break the ice with the audience and ask all my guests what do you got planned for the weekend me yeah it's the weekend for some reason i keep thinking it's monday (laughs) (laughs) weekend done the weekend will be spent um relaxing and watching shows (laughs) perfect so what are you watching currently for shows well we just finished the punisher and moving on we bought we're watching um um mind hunt mind hunter okay it's on netflix yes so it's it's just a i guess criminal profiling drama was like based on true stuff awesome yeah like i'm halfway through the punisher and it's so far probably the best like marvel tv series i've watched especially compared to like iron fist that was like the worst thing ever (laughs) and like (laughs) i was chatting on another episode about it like i was just waiting for it to get good and just never happened like i don't i don't know what went wrong oh it was terrible um i liked um but Daredevil's pro- probably was my favorite, and then mm-hmm. The Punisher's now taking that spot. Definitely yeah. was amazing. I, I like the actor because he was from uh, The Walking Dead, who played Shane. And I keep mm-hmm. for- I keep forgetting the actor's name, but like the way he acts, like you just get into his story so easily, and I'm like, man, you are good. Yeah, he's super intense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you can tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? Wow. Um, <laughs> so it's a long story. <laughs> it is. A, it's a bit of a long story. So I, I'm Marianne Kane. I am originally from Northern Ireland and I started out, uh, oh, sorry, what I am. I'm a, I'm a personal trainer, um, online coach, uh, mostly I do everything online and uh, I didn't start out that way. I started out as a nurse and I worked as a RN back in Belfast in uh, cardiac surgery. And I'd been doing that for a few years and I'd also started an interest in fitness. And my own personal fitness story, I guess, was I had a lot of uh, issues with pain and you know back pain and whatnot. And I'd been diagnosed with having ankylosing spondylitis, which is a real like an autoimmune type arthritis like uh, rheumatoid only affects your SI joint and back and neck and everything. So it affects like your axial joints rather than your peripheral joints. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I had issues with that and they basically said, oh yeah, you have to start exercising otherwise your back 
back will fuse. I'm like, well, I don't want my back to fuse. So I'm like, I guess I should start doing something. And that's where I started to start going to the gym on a regular basis and started really liking it, but didn't really see any results because all I did was really cardio and I saw a bit of improvements and then I sort of got into some strength training and that's where I really felt like I was really getting in charge of my body rather than it kind of being in charge of me and so I um, gradually became more and more interested in different types of strength training and I sort of fell into kettlebells and around the same time, I'd sort of been watching YouTube and I'd saw um, Zuzana for Body Rock. And I loved, like, she did a lot of home workouts and stuff. And I was inspired to share my workouts in a similar kind of way because I thought, well, I, a lot of people couldn't really attain what she was selling. <laughs> and I thought, let's just sell something a little more realistic here. And uh, I sort of sharing my own journey. Started out in my back garden I think my very first video was in my patio with one kettlebell in the snow in Ireland so that was like with a flip camera and (laughs) I sort of was like this is it I'm just gonna start a blog and um, my ultimate dream was that I could do uh, an online business and then eventually leave nursing which is what happened Um, but it didn't all happen immediately of course but that's sort of how I got into the industry of um, fitness and how I got, no, I guess I reached out to different people in the industry who were further ahead than me and did interviews on blogs, interviewed them on my blog and just was really networking online and that really got me known in the industry as somebody who could who knew what they were talking about at the time. Like when I first started, I didn't know anything really. I thought I knew everything, but I learned so much, especially whenever um, Girls Gone Strong, like we founded that in 2011, that really being around other women was particularly um, helpful for me as a trainer and as a human being as well. So it's kind of a a long winding journey so that that by the way that time frame is like from 2009 or 2007 2009 all the way up to now so that's a long time it was yeah (laughs) Uh, so there's a couple ways where I want to go with this so with your pain Mm -hmm. did you ever go down the route of like seeing chiro or physio at all or did you just stick to weight training um I did everything because I was trying to get to the bottom of what was wrong with my you know what was wrong with me and uh, you know I got told uh, anyone in pain will know you get told a million different stories about what's going on with your body this is weak this is not this is imbalanced all of this stuff and you you work on it I remember going to a, just a random side note I went to like a radio radiologist who scanned my SI joint said like oh yeah tense your core tense my core he's like yeah just continue with strength training um, to strengthen your core, even though my, he said my core was fine. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not core weakness. It's like, really? like So, yeah, with pain and stuff, I tried everything along with strength training. And under, just by the way, like strength training didn't help it go away completely. It just altered, you know, my ability to kind of, I guess, move and deal with it. So it didn't actually ever go away. 
And then, like, today, like, is it the same as it was before, or is it, like, where are you at right now with, like, pain management? The pain management, so with the condition, it's driven a lot by the immune system, so I'm treated with Enbrel, which is a weekly injection, so that's that really helps keep my immune system in check and allows me to operate. When I'm not on that, it's a different story, <laughs> and unfortunately, I had a year of not being on it whenever I was living in Saudi Arabia. Um near enough a year so I know now that that's kind of the driver of the sort of problems that I have but I now also know that when I get pains I don't freak out about it and make it all worse by my freaking out about it so but I'll get I actually will probably talk more about this because it's something I'm indirect I'm very passionate about helping other people not panic about Mm -hmm. pain yeah like over the years of training clients like pain is so individual and it always comes down to like, you need to just keep moving because that's what I've found over the years. Like, because I've had clients with like low back pain where they're like, okay, I'm going to go physio, I'm going to go chiral, massage this and that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it always, I always come back to, you just need to keep moving and don't stop. Right. And, you know, sometimes the movements that you do aren't the same as what you've been doing. And that was something that I had to really reassess and look at things differently I think my ego got in the way and I had to keep doing what I had been doing but when I had a flare-up or things were really bad when I was off my injection I had to re um, evaluate what it really meant to move and so instead of strength training I did things that were fun and introduced more of a play element to it so it would be like maybe some swimming um, thing or like outdoors you know, rather than the stress and the pressure of going back into the gym and not being able to do the things I had done before, I found that that was actually making it worse. And so I was able to change, but still move, but do something a little more, allowing things to settle down before I then went back to strength training. So there, you can kind of, I think as well, you can kind of get stuck in your mind set about what you have to do to move, but there's so many different ways to be active as we know but we don't always see it applying to us Mm -hmm, definitely the other thing i was going to ask is like what got you into kettlebells because i know like from the years past when i've watched your videos online you're always with kettlebells so i'm kind of curious what made you draw into them that's a good question i think it was more uh the uh, a boyfriend I was with at the time, I think he he did a lot of classes in the gym, and one of the classes that he was training for was kettlebells. And uh, I went to a lot of his classes, and I just loved the sort of metabolic conditioning side of it, and kind of you're working on your strength, but you get extremely, um, it, you can do a lot in a lot less time. And I liked that sort of intensity but you get strength and conditioning all in one go. So I then went ahead and got my certification in it. And that's really where um, the kettlebell relationship began because uh, it was, I was wanting to post these workouts online and I knew that short and sweet was better. And I also knew that strength was good. And so, and I knew that a lot of people also wanted to burn fat. And so it kind of really, was answering all those questions and it helped me as well it's sort of a more fluid movement I think um in some of the other ballistic movements and things like that so that that was really an attractive thing for me at the time still is 
And I think a lot of the stuff you said is like such great marketing, like short and sweet, burned fat. And it's also a required skill. So if someone saw your videos, they're like, oh, I should probably hire someone to teach me how to use this and get the benefits of it. So you kind of just stumbled upon it without really knowing it and then kind of almost tailored your whole business. That's what from what on the outside, that's what I kind of looked at it. I'm like, man, she is so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just kind of happened that way. And I think that having something so like you only really needed two kettlebells at home. I had a whole array of them, but people could easily get a kettlebell and they didn't have to spend a fortune on a million different things. Okay, kettlebells are expensive, but once you invest in them, they can, you just need a small space to do your workout in and then that's it. It's so simple, especially for home workouts, which is mostly what people, I guess, signed up for on my channel and things like that. That's where I was doing mine. Um, But yeah, it was kind of by accident that I fell into that niche. Nice. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of get into is like when you first started in an industry, did you train people in person or did you go right into online first? It was online, first of all. And when I find my, by the way, in case you hear anything in the background, it's my neighbor. <laughs> it's He's okay. obsessed, obsessed with his garden every time. It's like a leaf blower or it's like lawnmower. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, at the time it was all online and I did, um, I participated in, like I said, a lot of classes, but I began um, working in person probably the year after we founded, or maybe it was the year before. I can't remember. It was around the time Girls Gone Strong was formed. And then after that, I was part of, uh, I for our co-founded Get Glutes as well with Kelly Davis, or Kelly Hart and uh, Brett Contreras. So we worked on that for, I was in that for a year. And that really helped with my programming skills. So alongside that, I started taking a few one-to-one clients. And I really enjoyed working with people one-to-one. But I kept most of it online because... I also wanted to travel. Um, I didn't know how it was all going to happen, but I knew that I didn't want to have too much set up offline. So then I'd have to then transfer everything online, which is more difficult to do. So I wanted to keep as much as everything portable. Yep, fair enough. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask too is like, because I like went back through all your YouTube videos and I'm like, man, you have so many. But um, I know. <laughs> like, I think the oldest one is like almost like seven or eight years ago. And yeah. Kind of like seeing the progression of how you kind of built, you know, better quality videos and things like that and kind of built your business. Like, what would you say that were kind of like common mistakes that you were seeing when you were building your business that kind of changed your view on how you built your online business? Because I think that's a lot of coaches are doing now they're trying to get into the online space mm-hmm. and they don't really know what's working and then they kind of hit a wall they're like oh shit that didn't work so I got to do this mm-hmm. instead so I'm kind of curious to see what you figured out that didn't work and what worked if that made sense <laughs> it, it did and I was I was kind of thinking like I think the biggest um well, I'm kind of in the same boat as a lot of those people because I kind of see myself as only really now making it a business and this is probably my biggest mistake was not considering it a business from the get-go I it was more like a hobby because at the start I was working as a nurse and the the need almost the, the, the desire for it was there but I didn't have a plan 
and I certainly didn't have any business knowledge or a business plan. And um, I think that with that lacking, I kind of just went with the flow instead of having more of a mindset for um, a proper path to take and goals and things I needed to um, reinvest in and areas where I wanted to develop and then obviously outsourcing for certain things that I like video editing which although it did improve I still do it all myself and I would think that having somebody else do it would free up a lot more of my time um, a lot a lot of the things actually so have not having a plan but also one of the biggest things I struggle with um, even now is getting out of the mindset that marketing is about self-promotion like it's not about me it's about what I offer and how it's useful to you and so I heard it described really well on a podcast I listened to it's called marketing your business it's with Stu McLaren and he was he had a guest on and he said basically whatever it is you're making in your business your services think of it as your developing a gift for somebody so you want to know your audience and you're wanting to make this gift for them obviously it's not a gift you're not giving it away but you're making it with that in mind like what would this person really love and what what can I give them that they will really enjoy and get much use out of so I hadn't really thought of it that way before and I was like wow I just completely like I'm feeling my way through this whole business thing but having a plan or where to go, knowing what who you're delivering to and also that it's not about you. It is a bit, but it's not about you being on the spotlight and, hey, look at me. It's about, hey, how can I help you? And that's really, in the last few years, been the turning point in my business. Um, I, have lo- I have loads of mistakes I could talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, see, I have so many. Um, doing it all myself, uh, yeah, you have to do a lot of it, you know, in the beginning, like when you're really getting things going, but there comes a point where you realize that you're not very good at certain things and, um, or there's certain things you are real time drainers on you, but not really a lot of, um, like it's not where you're best at. So it's better if you can get somebody on your team that gets you and is like, in line with your whole mission or your whole like personality or whatever, and that they will be able to take on some of those other things, things like editing or um, sometimes like setting up pages on your website, small things like that can really help go a long way. Um, And oh, like managing communities, if you've got like a big Facebook group or anything, having somebody um, preparing, um, you know, like, posts to go out in the group or on your pages and things like that social media management I'm the worst on social media the worst at being consistent because it's consistency that's going to help you the most but if you're not if you don't have the energy to be consistently on there then you need somebody else or at least a plan and every month map out what it is you want to do and these are things that I'm really implementing now you know better late than never um, so, uh, the, the final thing I think I would say about my, the biggest mistake I made is making my business name really hard to understand. 
I think that oh, yeah. <laughs> knowing what, like, my oh, my TV is so obscure and kind of cryptic that, um, like, on a podcast, I have to spell it out. I'm like, M-Y-O. So it's like, why did I, why did I do that? <laughs> Thinking about these things, it would be better if it was just Marianne Kean coaching or something. Like, yeah. But I had to make it some random name. Well, the good news is, like, people could always, like, change their business name. It's not like, you know, it's set in stone. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can always change it, um, which I probably will do at some point. But uh, it's kind of become a little brand of its own, so I'm kind of a little bit attached to it now. Yeah. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> well, like, I can't remember who said I think it was Jordan Syatt, like, someone asked him a question about, um, like business names. Like, Oh, do I need to have like a catchy name for my business? He's like, no, he's like, I have the worst one ever. It's Syed fitness. It's my last name with <laughs> fitness. And it's yeah. like, nobody really cares. It's like, they're buying you, not the name. Right. And it just, it just gets like confusing when like someone's like searching you up. They're like, Oh, this, this is this, but this person's name's not on it. So there's like little things like that, I guess. Yeah. At, at least it's clear that it's fitness. At least it's Thai fitness, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, yes, I know that what that's about. But my oh my TV, what is this? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of wanted to go into that question we got from Facebook, where uh, one of your followers asked, like, "Where did you go? I followed you a lot in the past, and I think you disappeared due to an illness. Are you okay? What happened? How did you find the ego when it comes to training after illness and injury, etc." Great question, yeah. especially that last one. <laughs> um, well, what happened, uh, well, I got, actually, um, in 2000, early 2014, I got married or let, I moved away to Saudi Arabia. So that kind of, um, through all my sort of online consistency with videos and everything like that, that sort of all went out the window. Um, on top of that, then I got ill with the flare-ups and things like that like I had awful pain that year I don't know what was going on with my body that year but it was very very challenging to do anything let alone uh, a video so at that time uh, I was really just working with existing clients I had online and then after the year I was there moved to the states so I'm now in New Jersey and uh, soon to be in Pennsylvania we're moving in a few weeks but uh, we settled here and then since then it's sort of just been starting from scratch because it, it's amazing how fast the internet world kind of moves on and how things change. So like YouTube searches look, work completely differently now, so it's harder for people to find my stuff and things like that. Um, Facebook works a little bit differently now where you have to reboost your posts to be able to have any of your followers actually see it. Um, so things like that, it's been really hard to kind of get things, the momentum going again that like I had. And plus I've changed in how I sort of see fitness and how I experience fitness. And so it's about finding that new voice as well. So that's, that's sort of where I've been. I've been figuring out all the stuff behind the scenes. And as for the question about my ego, it certainly was an issue. And I wrote about it quite a lot on my blog and, uh, one of the, the the things was just knowing that looking at the big picture and thinking, well, if I sort of scale back now, then it'll 
pay off down the road where I won't be in as much uh, pain and I'll be able to then sort of build back up again. And it actually became quite rewarding to to revisit or goals that you'd already achieved in the past. So I'd hit like, you know, 10 push-ups again or I'd hit like getting my fifth chin up and be like, oh, I remember whenever I was here before. But the second time around, it was more rewarding because I knew I had overcome to get there. So there was way more um, pride in it, I guess, but as well, not as much ego because I knew, hey, I can, I lost it once. I can, I know I can get it back now. So there was a shift in perspective, whereas before I'd been so scared of losing it, but then I had lost it. And then coming back, it was more like, I can really see that Adashi doesn't matter that much. It's not that scary. So that, I guess that's the ego was and wasn't there. But it was quite the journey. It still is. <laughs> well, it's sometimes a good thing to be kind of like humbled once in a while, right? Because like if you kind of get caught up of always like building yourself up, both like physically, professionally, personally, whatever it is, and then, you know, say it's taken away from you, you appreciate it that much more when you get it back. Right. Uh, like growing, or sort of growing through my fitness, early fitness years, it was like all about and being part of Girls Gone Strong and um, – you, you became known for, or I became known as part of like this badassery of women and we were doing all these cool things and yeah, a lot of your identity can get attached to that and you post, I would post videos and post pictures and you know, it, would, it was all about me and it was nothing, it, okay, it was something about inspiring others but I got such a, an ego boost from that that it became addictive and probably unhealthy. And so I think a good sort of um, bonus to all of this happening is that I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not, if I am posting things to show something else now, it's a different narrative rather than, hey, all you can do, you must be the most impressive or look at me. And it's more like, um, you know, where are you at in your fitness journey? No matter what, here's, you can still make the most of it. And I've been here and I've been down here and I'm making my way up through the middle again somehow. And things are obviously challenged even more now that um, I'm pregnant. So it's a little bit more challenging, but I know that the the bigger picture is always really what matters is that I'm healthy. I'm still moving. Um, I'm not trying to maintain this sort of idea on a pedestal that that's never really what was it was about in the first place. I think the good thing is you were like self-aware enough to realize that because a lot of people don't have that self-awareness and they're just kind of living their life the way it is. And, you know, you're affecting a lot of people without even knowing it. So it's kind of good on you that you were able to realize that. Yeah, well, it took a while. <laughs> and it was painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing I was going to ask is like, how was it, you know, moving to Saudi Arabia? Cause that's definitely a huge like culture shock. And I'm kind of curious how your experience was living there because well, you got, you were there for what, a year or two years? Mm, a year for me. Yeah. Um, it was different. Um, I think that my experience was, I didn't really make the most of being there. Like I could have done way more ex exploring and getting out and about I obviously with having such a bad flare-up and things like that I was 
quite restricted to what I could do. So it was kind of in the compound a lot. But when we went out, it was amazing. We were in Riyadh and the, they kind of live their lives more at night because they want to avoid the heat, heat of the day. And it's just amazing how different the kind of culture is, obviously, but like even just things like that, like the shops would close during, you know, prayer time and things like that. So there was real just like, oh, my goodness, like I didn't I had no idea. I think moving away from somewhere small and sort of uh, not, I wouldn't say Ireland's backward don't they it just takes a long time for other things to kind of move on there like any of the exercise and fitness stuff that was in america five years later you it'll start making a, a sort of a a sort of a popularity hit in ireland but moving away from there really opened my eyes to um just the way other people live and i think that the good things about saudi were that they're very um, family orientated and community orientated. Um, sort of um, the downside, I guess, was the restriction on what women could do, mm-hmm. um, having to get permission to go places and not being able to drive, although they're changing that now. But yeah, and having to wear, had to wear an abaya. So that was like the black dress mm-hmm. um, everywhere if I went out of this, the compound. But the compound itself was just normal. It was like a holiday compound. It had a pool, it had a gym, restaurant, shop. And you could just be normal. Like you didn't have to wear anything special. But it was definitely eye-opening. And uh, I'm glad I only had to spend a year there, though, because it was very restrictive. And you couldn't get visitors, so I didn't have... Like my mom probably could have come over, but I don't think anyone would really want to. <laughs> um, so it... It sounds quite negative, but I think that's because I was having such a hard time myself. And I wish, you know, going back, I would probably go out and explore more of the old city and see more of the sites because it is a very vibrant place. And I remember when I used to listen to the FitCast, like way, way back when it was Kevin Larrabee, Jonathan Fass and Lee Peel. And Mm -hmm. I remember like Jonathan always talking about his kind of experience there. And because he stayed there two years, correct? Five. Oh, five. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> he was terrified. <laughs> how, 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 like, how did he manage to, like, stay sane? Because it, it just seemed to me from, like, looking on his Facebook, he'd be posting all the freaking time. I'm like, I feel like you have a lot of free time there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how he coped with it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so he had, yeah, he had a lot of free time um, when he was in between, you know, being off work and then when he was in the resort and the palace or whatever with the prince or traveling they'd maybe sit around in the cafe or um, in between various activities that they had planned so he would sit basically and read he read, read research and uh, talked about it on facebook <laughs> that's awesome that's how, and then talked about it on his podcast that's how i yeah. that's how we met each other so you met through the uh, the podcast well, I heard him through the podcast, and he he was he was uh, e stalking me on Girls Gone Strong, and then I started e stalking him on Fitca- or not Fitcast. It was the Strength of Evidence. Oh yeah, yeah. podcast that he did, and um, and then we met at the Fitness Summit in Kansas City in 2013. That's so cool. This is like <laughs> like one of those like soap operas, but for fitness I know. people, right? Because I, I think maybe there's only a couple people who've done that in our industry where like. 
you know, they know knew each other because of what their work was, and then eventually they met at a conference, and now, yeah, like that's that's this that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to get into is um, like the fact that you changed your career, and mm. I've had a couple people who've done the same thing as you did, and the common theme was like they were just not happy what they were doing. So I was kind of curious of like, how did you get into nursing in the first place? And then how long did it take you to realize that, hey, this was not for me? And then what made you finally jump and change direction? Mm. I first uh, graduated as a nurse in 2007. And then I left in 2013. So um, almost, was that almost seven years? And I... I knew pretty early on that it wasn't the career, the, the, the career I'd wanted. And maybe in hindsight, it could have been if I had maybe moved area, maybe worked in the community or something like that. But at the same time, it just so happened that fitness had sparked my interest. And that really amplified my um, dissatisfi- dissatisfaction with nursing, um, being kind of stuck doing shift work and you know having to basically go in and have a boss and you know leave and all this stuff like there was hassle involved like it just didn't fit my the lifestyle I imagined myself having I imagine myself being free to travel the world and you know take my work with me and technically speaking you could nurse anywhere but there was a lot of hoops to jump through and it seemed to me at the time as naive as this is that it was easier to start an online business (laughs) (laughs) I laugh at myself now but um so I I knew pretty early on but it took so like 2009 was when I started end of 2009 beginning of 2010 I started my on my tv to basically with my plan to one day um work my you know my passion to be my job it was the whole thing about this passion and it wasn't obviously until a few years later till I actually uh left and so that was that's the first thing anyone else kind of thinking about doing this don't act immediately <laughs> just wait um make your plan and my plan was to once I made enough um money per month to support the bills and things like that that I had to cover then I could give up give up nursing and at the same time I was cutting down my hours in nursing so I um was able to I think I worked like full-time then I went down to like three nights a week I I switched into this actually was just happened to be coinciding with my medical condition I worked better at night rather than early mornings so I switched my shifts to night shift and was able to do three nights a week and that gave me more time to work on fitness and blogging and then later on about I think it was a couple of years later I was able to cut down to two nights a week because I was making a lot more money online with programs and get glutes I think it started at that point And so there was more business happening. I had a few in-person clients. So there was a little, it wasn't all coming from one place. I had some ad revenue coming in. So I had um, different, all my eggs weren't in one basket, so to speak. Um, And I had regular content coming out. 
and I was very passionate about it and I was keeping up that work. And then I decided in or, or sort of mid-2013 that it was finally time to stop talking about leaving and actually leave. Um, people, I think, in work were like, um, yeah, yeah, Marianne keeps talking about leaving, but she's never going to leave. And I started to believe that too. I was like, I'm, am I ever actually going to leave? Because I could. And I started thinking, actually, you know what? This is probably the best chance because at that point, Jonathan and I had sort of begun a relationship and we kind of knew that we wanted to um, probably get engaged and married and I'd probably end up in the States. So I began sort of factoring these things into my plan that I wouldn't be staying in nursing forever. And now it was probably a good time to to leave. I'd moved home to my mom's house at the time. So there was a lot less financial pressure there. So it was, you know, a lot of it was financial decisions, but also just making sure that um, the momentum was there in my business to sort of keep making it better and bigger. And I'd relaunched my site and I was going to do my, I was going to start a membership site for my blog, um, which is happening now, but it didn't happen then. But so I would say to anyone thinking about it, make sure you have your plan, make sure you have like three to six months worth of, you know, funds saved up so that you can begin, not begin, but like keep building up your business and keep investing in the right things and prioritize um, what you need to do. But it is it is hard going at the start. Yeah, definitely. Now, the, the membership site that you're talking about is that the Pull Up Academy that you have on your site? Um, no, the okay. Pull Up Pull Up Academy is my course. Um, the um, My Oh My Studio is something I've talked about for years. It's going to be like My Oh My TV style workouts for home. It's like the home of home workouts. Mm-hmm. So that is coming up soon and sort of in the new year. I'm working on it at the minute. But the Pull Up Academy is like my um, small group coaching course. And uh, it's where, you know, basically is what it says, helping people achieve their pull up, but in a more individualized way, but not one to one. So small groups, sort of 10 to 20 people. And it is a program um, all developed and stuff already. I've done a few testings of it with various groups. And this is the Pull Up Academy. Currently, I'm running the Pull Up Academy 2.0, and they're going through that. But what I've, the reason I started doing this as a small group is that um, I realized how many people wanted to do pull ups, but didn't have really a path to get there. There's a lot of overwhelming information, there's even more overwhelming progressions. And people are kind of stuck. And the issue is not that there's no information. It's almost the opposite. And then they download these programs. These programs sit in their download folder or they open them up as a PDF and they're overwhelming of information and they still don't know how to apply it to them. And so that's what the group achieves. There's people will send me videos of where they're at. I'll see what their form looks like, what their fitness level and everything, their motor control, how they're moving and what they need to do individually, what it is that they need to get to the next step, you know, to the next progression. Sometimes the progression is too much of a jump and they need to go somewhere in the middle. Um, and so a small group allows me to do that. And the programming is, is one thing, 
but having that sort of feedback is so so important especially online no, I think the one like big thing you said is that like yeah there's a lot of products out there that are a PDF and like yeah you're right someone will buy it download it and say it's a 200 pages long like how many people are actually going to read through that entire thing and mm. actually execute so I like your idea where you actually make it a little bit more individualized and I was listening to Pat Flynn talk about one of his products where every week he'll post something new to his group where they'll actually mm-hmm. do the workout. And I kind of like that because then you also almost build like the anticipation for the client where they're like, okay, new week, I can't wait for my workout. And they mm-hmm. don't see it just yet. They get it on whatever Monday at 6 a.m. And they're like, okay, I can't wait to go to the gym because it's new. Whereas, yep. yeah, kind of, that's where I'm almost like thinking that's where our like industry is going to go to is less PDF versions of whatever you have and something that you'll get every week because you signed up to something and yeah. you'd probably have a higher success rate for clients of achieving great stuff. Right. And, and one of the things I, I did re- last year was I signed up to a course called tribe. And I think John Goodman has worked with Stu McLaren. He's the guy who, who basically made this course. It's an online course for entrepreneurs who want to, uh, build their business so that they can have, you know, that recurring revenue because the, you know, as a personal trainer, there's only so many hours in a day. And once you fill your clients, you know, the slots, there's no growth. There's nowhere to really go um, without sort of um, working with groups or a membership of some sort recurring revenue. Um, but I always wanted to do this workout system because I'd been working in Get Glutes. I'd been doing my own um videos for years but I wanted to make it more of a community and everyone's working together on this sort of the workouts that they enjoy and um, I did this course and the number one thing that causes people to um, stop doing anything and we know this is they're overwhelmed or they don't have any clarity about how you know the steps to take to get there and uh, so what I've done is just stripped down everything that I, as much as I want to tell people, here's what you need to do. And I know, here's what I know. It, it doesn't matter because there's so much information they're already getting bombarded with. It's too much. So you need to actually consolidate and make it really, really clear what they need to do. But as well as that, be there engaged in the process as much as they are so that um, the the consistency and the adherence comes into part of that and the groups, you know, the communities, small groups, people get to know each other. I go in there once or twice a week in the pull-up academy and do live Q&As or motivation on a Monday or whatever it is to kind of get the group together and make our sort of plan for the week or here's some extra tips for your squat or your deadlift and just engaging in the process so that People are, if, what I realize is if you're more engaged, then they're more engaged. And so if you want to get result, your clients and everything getting results, then um, they will once they adhere to what you're doing. So cut out all of the extra information. You can give that to people along the way. But what they want is, what do I do? Where am I? What do I need to do next? And so just give them what they need to do next, like what Pat Flynn does with the workout. Yeah. simple honestly because there's so much information like like you said and 
living in a world where people are scrolling through Instagram and Facebook really quickly, the mm-hmm. last thing they want to read is a PDF that's, you know, 200 pages. And even right. like, I think I talked to Max Shank about this, about like P90X, like how it was, like the marketing of it was amazing. They sold so many copies, but what was the percentage of people actually completing the full 90 days? And it was mm-hmm. like 1.5% of all sales people actually you know, completed the 90 days because it's, it's kind of tough. They kind of just throw you all of these DVDs and go do them. But I don't know, I think something like week to week or you're actually like kind of bringing the person from point A to point Z to get them to their right. goals a little bit better in that sense. Sure, you can make a lot of money the other way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're in this industry to help people, that's kind of where at least I would want to go down. Right. And you, you have to, as a business or you know, as an entrepreneur or like as a, as a trainer, you want, and who's also an entrepreneur, you, you have to balance up, you know, your need to make ends meet yourself, but also um, that you're aligned with your goals for other people. So the alignment of the people who maybe made, say for something like P90X or those big, um, ebooks you know that you or something offered on your your website it has to be something that it i think i don't doubt that ever people write those and they want people to benefit from them and some people will but if you don't understand how people operate in online and they're not going to stick with it or it's going to be too much and they're going to be left with the same questions at the end okay that's great but how does that how's that relevant to me and people only want to know how it applies to them and how do you know that if you're not there with them and so I think for me as a what I've realized is I cannot do the here's your pdf or here's your everyone buy this one thing it's like unless I'm there to be on hand to help apply it because I think they need people need that sort of support because everyone always has a question what about this or when I do this, this happens or what do I do if I can't do this, then you're there to give them the answer. Even if they've heard it before, they haven't heard it before said to them. And so I think that if you really sort of really want to give them the result and you really want people to benefit from it, there is it's hard to do online. It's hard to do in these in big groups, especially if you've got 10,000 people. But at the same time, you owe it almost to make it so. From my perspective, I want to have a smaller group. I want to work with fewer people at once so that I can um, get them to benefit from it more quality over quantity. Um, and I think that my skill set is better suited to that than Setting, um, setting up a PDF for people to buy and download, knowing full well that it'll sit in people's folders and they'll just be like, okay, I'll do that for a day. And then they won't, maybe won't ever return to it. And that's sad because it's made yeah. a gift. Yeah. Well, like the, like right now I'm kind of in a point in my career where I want to create my first product and sell it. And then when I start thinking about it, I'm like, okay, if I create a program, I want these exercises in. But then I'm like, wait, I can't put a shoulder press because what if people can't press overhead because they have these limitations? And then Mm -hmm. you like start filing it down and you're trying to like make it appropriate for everybody. But then you come out with like 
a really crappy program. You're like, I don't even know if anybody would do this now. <laughs> so that that's my struggle with like creating my first product with like the kind of PDF format. But now I've been kind of looking at other ways of doing it, kind of like what you're doing and what mm-hmm. Pat Flynn suggested. And I'm like, I think I might go down that route instead, like create a program, yeah. but then having options to adjust it as whoever buys it and have a smaller group to give them enough attention. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just like kind of my thoughts currently in the industry. Yeah, I think, yeah, because that's the issue is that people don't have, um, uh, it doesn't, things, they're left kind of, I, I can't do this or like that limitation, like what do you do? And you can't, you can't sit and think or put in every single possibility because then that's another source of overwhelm for people because then they still don't know how, whether whether it applies to them or whether they're different. So like the small, the interaction is definitely where, and that's so much lacking online where you really get that sort of uh, feeling of it being a real studio, but that it's online. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one more question because we're already mm. at a freaking hour, but I wanted wow. to get into it. But because uh, now that you're pregnant, I'm kind of curious of like how your day to day life has changed personally and also what you've been changing in the gym to be able to still move and stay strong, essentially. Mm. That's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and I know well, it's so it, different for everybody else. It is. Yeah, I think that, you know, I I thought that my goal for during my pregnancy was to at least be able to do one chin up unassisted and I haven't been able to do that. So my, what's changed is my um, ability to forgive myself for not being able to do what, again, it comes back to that. Okay. I'm kind of not meeting my ultimate goals or my standards here. So I'm okay with that day to day. It's like how, um, I want to walk more. I want to um, do maybe some variation of yoga of some sort. If I feel like stretching or being mobile, I'll maybe do squats and things, you know, in my studio. I've been trying to go to the gym. <laughs> like I was saying three times a week sounds realistic. Um, I think I managed probably a couple of weeks of three times a week. And then since it's been one or two, but I try to stay active in other ways um so that's basically how structured my training is right now um i've been doing a lot of videos for you my groups and also uh, for preparing for my my studio coming out so a lot of um exercise videos that i put together for that but i'm just trying not to worry too much because i know that it'll come back i'll get back into it but no point in pushing myself beyond what I'm, you know, just for the sake of it. It's just like, well, what am I trying to achieve? And if it's just general health and fitness, then I do enough and that's fine. I'm not trying to break any records. And certainly I will, I can just about hang from the bar at the minute. So I'm not going to be one of these <laughs> Instagram ins- inspirations on the pull up yeah. bar. <laughs> but like, it's so interesting, like, because I primarily all my clients in person are moms, like between the ages of like, I don't know, 32 to 45. Mm-hmm. And I've trained many of them when they went through pregnancies. And every single one has been so different. Like one, I've had 
I was training her on a Thursday and she gave birth on a Saturday and it was like she just didn't feel tired she didn't feel like she had to slow down she just felt normal and it was so funny because I told her, I'm like, if your water breaks today, it's going to be a pretty groundbreaking experience for me. Because I was like, she was like really close to, you know, her due date. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy that you're <laughs> at the gym. And then on the flip side, I had another client where she would do like bodyweight squats for 10 reps and then have to sit down and rest and mm-hmm. then go to like a TRX row and then sit down and rest. Like, yep. <laughs> it's so it's so different. And it's kind of so interesting to me, like how it differs that much and both women were really really fit before the pregnancy it's just how your body adapts I guess yeah and it's it is amazing and it was I had never in person trained a woman who'd been pregnant and it just so happened at the same time as I was pregnant my first pregnant client um in person uh came along and so she's about three months ahead of me so she's really due in a couple of weeks but and she hadn't done any fitness for about 10 years so she started around six months pregnant and she's been doing great twice a week and you know it was only now that she's becoming more breathless and things like that with the baby poking up into her lungs (laughs) and whereas you know I thought in my mind oh I'll be I'll be fine it'll just be the same as normal and it's I mean maybe for a next pregnancy it'll be different because every pregnancy is also different. But um, at the minute, I'm just like just taking it all in. I'm like, I just want to, I'm, I'm curious, you know, more than anything, just as how I'm responding, how things are so different and how my strength has changed so much, like especially upper body strength. And it's just quite amazing. I suppose I am carrying an extra few pounds. So it's like almost like a weighted pull up at this point and a weighted push up. It's like, I'm lucky if I can do 10, but, um, that's, that is just amazing. You probably have more experience with that than, than me. I've, uh, you know, than training, you've been training a lot of uh, pregnant ladies over the years. Yeah. But like, I think I've, I I had one client where I've trained her through three pregnancies. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they were all, I think, two years apart. So it was kind wow. of like, you know, you start from square zero and you kind of build up and then you go back and you build up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then just like now my this thought just popped in my head because I got to go to Dublin like a couple of weeks ago for the first time. And I went to the Guinness storehouse and then learning oh, about cool. um, Arthur Guinness and his wife apparently was pregnant for 16 years of her life because she what? gave birth. 23 times and I'm like <gasps> holy crap like 23 how? yeah but only 11 survived I believe from the pregnancies oh. but still like 16 years of your life to be pregnant I'm like holy crap that's crazy whoa yeah she's a champ I bet, I bet you she was drinking Guinness for her iron <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> they used to give women a half a pint of Guinness oh really wow yeah for help their iron something like that that's awesome <laughs> But I, I have a new appreciation for Guinness, and like ever since oh. I came home back to Canada, that's what I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's um, not the same. It's not the same when it's away from Ireland. No, it's not. Like anytime we went to a pub and we got like a pint of Guinness, I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then I came home and like you get the bottled version, and I'm like, mm-hmm. something tastes off. It's not the same. Yeah, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so very last question, where can people find you online? And then if you have any projects coming out, speaking engagements, anything you want to plug, you can. Ah, well, you can find oh, my blog is at myomytv.com and anything you can just type in Marianne Kane as well if it's easier. <laughs> I'll usually come up on on uh, on Google searches and then on on YouTube you can find all my videos there um, at Kitty Eight Tim, <laughs> but you can also just search for Marianne Kane. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> The, the things that are coming up is my oh my studio um, in the, the new year and the pull-up academy is currently uh, will be on a hiatus until next fall so kind of look out for that in September you can go to pullupacademy.com and sign up there for the waiting list or you know the notification list or whatever you want to call it for when that launch is happening and um, and that should be because I want to give myself a bit of a chance to um get my my studio going and also with the baby coming so i thought the group will start again next fall but those are the two main things that are are happening and i really what i've learned you know you have to be focused on the, the things that you're good at and so these are really where i am strongest in the groups perfect so i just so. want to thank you so much for your time this was amazing yeah it was great to be on thank you very much for having me all right, so that's going to wrap up episode 89 with Marianne Kane, and hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did because she was just amazing, and it really does show the way she speaks on this podcast that she's just a caring person. And if you can, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family and social channels such as Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat, or whatever you're on. Please share the podcast, spread the word so I can grow this thing and reach many, many people out there and just give them good information about fitness and health. And that is it for this week, folks. Until next time.